Hello, and welcome to your previously scheduled, not surprise at all, Agretzko Season 3 Review! Uh... <laughs> Guys, we all watched something, and we're actually coming to people live, not two years from once. It, well, actually, I mean, this season released, what, six months ago or something? It's pretty yeah. fast for us. It's pretty fast. Uh, August 2020. So, so over so, six months ago. <laughs> I thought I was exaggerating. That hasn't even been one year. I think I think we're we're, we're gonna be all right. I thought I was over exaggerating, but I mean that's the thing is my memory was spotty on this. But we're here and we're ready to review more Red Panda news and questions and reviews. When I, 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 I watched through this, I, uh, I I then asked you guys in the Discord if, if you wanted to do a Season 3 spoiler cast or if the Agretzko ship had sailed, and Liam's answer was, it will never sail. Not That's, on this It podcast. will never sail, and also because I had watched this six months ago thinking we were going to do it faster. <laughs> we never did. <laughs> well, apparently we have our lucrative exclusivity deal signed with the, um, what is it, Sanrio? Sanrio, yeah. The, 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 San, the Sanrio Animation Corporation conglomerate, LL Cool J. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Gretzko once again, scared me. Uh, well, the first two episodes, she gets addicted to a VR boyfriend. Do you have a VR girlfriend? No, but I definitely have had a productivity problem during the, the pandemic, and I, I do feel that- <laughs> There's a big difference between her and you, though, George. Not yet. Oh, oh, I- Her VR headset- Her- Her VR headset works. Just wanted to- Okay. Yeah, actually, I, <laughs> I, I, that, that's technically another topic, but yeah, my VR headset broke and, and it's, it's back, it goes back and forth. Well, the, the, the solution this time was to plug it into a different computer. <laughs> Once I plugged it into a different computer, it kicked back to life. The tracking, for whatever reason, I, I guess it was a USB driver conflict. That's, that's how it came back. Anyway, yeah, no, Agretzko scared me. Because she's she's living a miserable, lonely, isolated existence that is facilitated by by high tech electronic uh, uh, entertainment like VR. And so, since VR shows up in a Gretzko, does that actually mean it's mainstream now? At this point, did it finally happen? I I, I feel a fair play to them. They did something different, other than like an app, a mobile app based boyfriend simulator. And I, you know, I think it's quite cute the moment she's in VR. Shaking a little butt around. I also appreciate that they kind of went through a similar arc that I feel a lot of us did in real life, where you have the naysaying friend who suddenly <laughs> is convinced as soon as they try it. <laughs> yeah, Fenico didn't last long, did she? It was relatable. And that's what scares me. Yeah, she kind of starts out, I mean, understandable after oh, season two, you know, her and uh, Horsey fella, Pony fella, whatever his name was. The rich guy with the self-driving car yeah yeah basically you know the tesla of that world tesla man of that world she also starts a youtube channel <laughs> she does yeah we're skipping over a lot of things here but yes i understand why you feel it's relatable the, the vr thing in particular almost seems like a gender role reversal like 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 getting addicted to to video games and, and vr and and fake boy slash girlfriends is totally stereotyped as a male thing but, you know, she's she's a woman, so... I'm just going to go ahead and step step in here. Um, 
before George goes down this hole. Season three was fucking great. <laughs> it was great. It was fucking great. It was great. I was like, it's wow. my favorite. It's my favorite. I, how do they keep doing this? How? It has no right to be this good. I'm, it has no right. It's focused. Every season focuses on on an issue. Like season one was workplace harassment. What they call it? Power harassment. Yeah, power hot out. And and season two was about parental expectations. Season three is about the idol industry and how meaningless and destructive to the people who make it entertainment can be. But, but it was also about her, though. Yeah, a lot more about her. One one thing that I think is happening is that. As the seasons go on, we are increasingly seeing how everyone lives in Gretzko's universe. <laughs> everyone is is uh really really concerned about her and her plights. Um, it, it, almost like a cult of personality sort of thing. I guess it becomes less or more and more transparent as as the show goes on. But it did seem a little weird that all her ex boyfriends kind of gather together to to save the day at the end of the season. Yeah, they didn't even do that because, you know, what was great about Agretzko and what continues to be great is that the expectation that both her and Haida would get together didn't happen. And now Haida's a supporting character who, who didn't go away. No, exactly right. And he's like, he has his own arc in this season where he meets Inui, who is a wonderful looking lady dog. Yeah. And she's great, and she's obviously the person he should go with, but he doesn't, he can't get over his feelings for Gretzko. But at the same time, what's great about this is not unlike other TV shows, right? Where they would get together, of course, or whatever, and he would say, I love you, and I've always loved you, blah, blah, blah. Like, Gretzko's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you think you can just come in here and, like, save me, and everything's fine, and, like, I like you, and all this kind of stuff? And especially considering what happens at the end of this season, you know? At the end of the idol arc. It's pretty good. It's pretty fucking good. It's pretty it's realistic. Good. Again, I watched it and I'm I'm assuming the dub is really different, but it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. So the stuff that happens in the end is also that was ripped from the headlines. Like like that has happened in real life. A box cutter attack on a kind of low, not necessarily idol superstar. The season goes into the weird, surreal world of bottom-of-the-barrel idol groups. And, and I thought that uh, for as creepy as, as Cheetah producer Hyoto is, there were some really, really funny sight gags involving his beat-up van. Like He's great. Like, I love, like, he's my favorite character of the new season. He's fantastic. He's so creepy. Well, I thought he was going to be Yakuza to begin with, and I'm so glad they didn't do that, because I don't think it would have been that realistic. But then him being this, like, asshole, just typical Japanese, like, sketchy businessman. And he's, <laughs> and finding out that he, you know, is like a window cleaner at the end is just awesome. So to pay for, for the damages of a car accident, he makes her work for free? Is that, can you do that? <sighs> And of course you can't, but Japan and people crashing into each other and stuff is a, a sketchy Oh yeah. Thing. Isn't that like a real big deal? In Japan, like if you hit your if you hit somebody with your bike, even if you don't do any damage, most people will go to the hospital and get like really expensive hospital bills and stuff. And depending on like, you know, like him, 
you know, they they can forge these certificates and like force you to pay lots of money and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I've always been worried about that kind of thing in Japan because it is definitely a thing. But I really liked him. He's a great character. Um, I don't know. So Matt, it's he's voiced by Pro ZD in uh, really? in English. Oh, wow, he did a great job. Holy shit! Yeah, and I was I was going to ask you. I've I've heard a couple of the snippets because in Japanese he's absolutely amazing. And obviously, buddy Pro ZD, he's a great great guy, right? I, how how is he in the in the dub? Oh, he's good. Everyone could you good. tell? Could you no, tell it was him? No. From memes to dreams. Holy crap! Wow. Like now that it, now that you say it, I kind of hear Pro ZD. Yeah. But it's still just it just fit the character so well. It fit the character so well. The it, the way he reacts every time they talk about his job and everything, like it just it just fit. And then the reveal of him being a window cleaner, like it, I, everything kind of fit the character. So he did a he did a kind of good job. Like I don't know, that's that's crazy to think about. Wow, wow, wow! That's that's nuts. <laughs> wow, live living the dream. Yeah, it's that's pretty amazing. Damn. I mean, so we've glossed over a lot. We've gone in a lot of places. So basically, for anybody who is still listening and hasn't watched it, Agretzko kind of starts out pretty rough in the beginning. Obviously, whatever happened in last season two. Then she kind of has money troubles, and then she has more money troubles because she crashes into this leopard guy who's this sketchy dude who then turns out to run an underground idol group. Which is surreal. And and strange and and the outlet for like a lot of of good comedy in the show mm. the uh, the chemistry between the the the, the girls in the group and uh, <laughs> I I was simultaneously laughing and also kind of shivering being like oh this is scary when when they're they're talking about their ages and there's another girl there who's like thirty six and and no 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 like no, she was thirty six. 20, is like 26 was it 26 instead <laughs> yeah. of 36 that i'm thinking of yeah 36 way too old that's yeah. the idea right because she says she's 26 and everyone's like oh my god she's really old and that's the kind of yeah that, thing, that, right? that was the joke that was also scary and she works in a combini i mean have you seen those idol girls it's weird man i guess i have but i wouldn't know but yeah like i when you read stuff about what happens behind the scenes and and how much of it ultimately kind of goes nowhere and ruins these girls lives it's genuinely strange sad stuff and and this obsession with it is super weird dude. yeah well underground idols is a huge thing in japan like it's yeah. huge 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 stuff so one thing i wanted to ask about is is what exactly is the difference between an idol group and a band because they do they do get into that once they start playing instruments suddenly they turn into a band and it's a it's a different thing well i think it's more the metal the singing metal right honestly i don't know i i i would guess it's because they're idols <laughs> it's less about the music and more about everything right for the band you can give or take what people look like who the member makeup is you know an idol group is about the idols right they're the reason most people watch and then the songs and the way they dress and everything is a is a, a an extra part of all of that but yeah it generally is about the the girls the people I just i just never thought about it in those terms before this season like it's it's quite crazy that they can fit so much 
yeah. can say so much with just a little bit of time and a little bit of episodes. And it gets so serious. So much. Like, I, I, I remember at the last episode, I was like, there's no way they can wrap this up. They wrapped it up. And I felt okay about it. I was like, okay. Holy yeah. shit. I, I really appreciate the tightness of like every season. It's 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 quick to watch through. Mm. The 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 arcs are are paced very well. Not a lot feels superfluous. Yeah. And you forget the episodes are like fifteen minutes, right? They're not twenty. They're not the full twenty. They're shorter, like thirteen to fifteen minutes. And Oh man. You're like, how the hell? What what do you think? Something's going to happen when kids who grew up on YouTube watching like 45 minute to two hour long video essays are going to grow up and start wanting that kind of, of like length and, and scale and longevity to their media. Because I really appreciate how, <laughs> how short it is. I like that we live in a world where somebody could make a video essay longer about Agaretsko, an episode than an actual episode of Agaretsko. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it could be done. I'm as, sure as it exists somewhere. Who, who's, who's done this tens, if not hundreds of times. I'm sure many fools have done it. We are 15 minutes exactly into this episode now. <laughs> and you know what you would do is uh, talk about the real life idol industry. For, for tens of minutes at a time in your video essay and well, uh, I think explain is... every little reference that would actually totally extend the runtime of an explanation of the jokes above the actual source material. It's it's so easy. But you're like missing so much though. You're missing so yeah. much of what the character is. Like, yeah, like she was like an idol, but th there's like so much character development in this. Like so she, much. She really, like, it's like the climax of her and her like, yeah insecurities and also what she likes to do and how agarisco is a character all about you know letting your inner self out right and then she starts to he hesitantly in the beginning but like starts to really enjoy being an idol right and mm -hmm. people you know loving her and stuff like that and that is like her coming full circle right and i feel freaking terrible for the way it ends and the what happens to her in the last episode it's horrible can't even imagine yeah. like that's uh, crushing and uh, agresco never seems to be able to catch her break i feel <laughs> i feel bad for her but there's a lot of character development in this season like i think you know hyder and Inui, like hyder's character arc is really great in this one he's an idiot yeah. but it's a fantastic storyline on top of that you know the reality of somebody is not always gonna just love you right Th yeah. you know there's gonna be complications in life he even saves her he even saves her you're like no that doesn't mean <laughs> automatically a woman is gonna love you this is not yeah. this is not a, a movie you know oh god that oh, yeah and and obviously the pig boss he you know is is still himself but some things and also that weird little meerkat fucker um oh my god he's so weird creepy man. yeah not as creepy as the horse guy who tries to stab a Gretzko, which is, you know, terrible. But. Yeah. I mean, okay, when when they were doing the, the handshake thing, when you have to buy tickets for a handshake for a certain That's amount of so seconds, oh it's weird. God. It's oh. fucking weird. Oh. It's very Japanese, um, I'm assuming, because yeah. that, that is not a thing here. And the way that that guy was talking, I was just like, how does, like, someone not break his neck 
Like, you can't break people's neck in, in Japan because, like, I would... <laughs> If I was a bouncer and I heard that, no, they I have would laws break his neck. That. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I would totally break his neck. I was like, nah, buddy. Nah, you don't get to come up in here. You can take your money and go home. <laughs> they're real. I, I've heard they're real, real strict about breaking people's neck over there. And you're just supposed to sit there and take it. Okay. Yeah. I, I I just had a flashback to when I was starting the YouTube channel when people found out that she was in the idol group and that she was singing hardcore heavy metal and everyone at work was watching her on her phones. That kind of sort of almost happened to me when I was working a day job in 2012 when the channel launched. They didn't pull out their cell phones, but they did say uh, at work, my bosses were like, yeah, we should. They described it like this. They said, yeah, we saw your college dissertation on Doom. <laughs> oh, my God. There were a lot of moments where I was just like shriveling up because I, I feel for her so hard. She does not catch a break. Poor girl. The moral of the story that I wrote down here on my notes as I was watching it is... Oh man, once again, Agretzko ends on a downer, a reality check where we are reminded that there is a hole in her life that society is exploiting. <laughs> Georgie. Oh my god. <laughs> it's such a George answer. <laughs> I like it though. I like it. It makes sense. They're because because people are are exploiting her into doing free labor. They're exploiting her into promoting a different girl group project she was not originally a part of and did not originally have a personal stake in. And and that fo folds falls in line with the themes of the previous two seasons of her boss exploiting her and then her mother exploiting her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and so I imagine that, that Agretzko is never going to be about just the love drama itself. Whatever season four is about, I feel is going to be another exploitive aspect of Japanese society that 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 she'll sink her fangs into. I don't know where they go from here, because like what happens to her at the end of this season is like the pinnacle. I don't know if they're going to have. I, I do I, I always expect they're gonna have some sort of happy ending for her at some point, but then it just like crushes you fairly frequently. And I think maybe a final season will happen where she has like a happy ending and I feel like it will have been deserved. It, it better be like Attack on Titan. It better be the fourth season. I just can't see them going to five seasons. It's, it, they did a good job making this three seasons, but I, I just, come on. Well, well, maybe what'll happen in the fourth season is she'll get the lucrative Audible contracts. <laughs> she'll be sponsored by adamandeve.com for her YouTube channel. Oh, I want to say one more thing. Don't, don't be like Haida, guys. Don't be like Haida. <laughs> don't be a Haida. He's an idiot. I was darting my eyes back and forth and sweating. I like him, but he's an idiot. That guy annoyed the fuck out of me yeah. i was just like what are you doing what are you doing don't be a hider man the one thing i was said you didn't get to see uh, enough of the like uh assistant to the manager and then the the gorilla lady manager like you don't see oh, them enough yeah. in this season they're fantastic gory and I yeah 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 words. yeah the app <laughs> yeah the app it's so great oh and he got the courage from the app yeah God damn it. And then you find out that like the other guy had like yeah. tinkered with it to make it a hundred percent. So it's not true. And oh, it's devious. This show is devious. It's great. Yeah.
Yeah. What the? I can't. What's the name of the bird? Why is this so hard to? The, <laughs> for, I, do, is it Washimi? Oh, is that Washimi. The the yeah, 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 yeah. Washimi. Washimi. Yeah, Washimi. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Washimi and Guri. That is harder to remember, though. I totally sympathize. I was frustrated as hell trying to figure it out because the other ones kind of sound like loan words that that cross over from English to Japanese. What Washimi sounds like? Like a, like a like a menu item. You mean sashimi as well? That's the word. <laughs> Whereas gory, I can you know imagine a, a gorilla. Finico, I imagine a finico fox. Yeah. There there needs to be more finico in season four. I want to see a finico arc. Agreed. Yeah. There are some characters that get kind of put away. Say Finico's arc this season, obviously, not that great. Maybe that she great. just basically no. becomes what Agresco is in the first two episodes. Yeah. Addicted to VR. And um, and tries to help Haida, and that's pretty much it. That's all she's. That's all she's there. When they go, dr- when they go drinking, that scene is so Japanese. I've seen that so many times in real life. That getting drunk and being like, "You should tell her your feelings," or like, "You should tell your boss how you really feel." Under the the cherry blossom tree. Yeah, and they never <laughs> do anything. Like when they go to the bar, oh, it's it's so funny. It's so Japanese. Yeah, you hear them say that. You hear stuff like that, yeah, 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 like, you know, when they go drinking, right, everything comes out in Japan, that's the idea, right, nothing gets said in the office, nothing gets said anywhere, then you go out to the, you go out drinking, and then all of a sudden, everything comes out, and then that's it, it stays there, and nobody actually ever does anything. That's what I was, on, on, on like, Friday nights when everyone's drinking, you start seeing the contents that was inside of them spill out onto, let's say, the side of the sidewalk, or the side of the benches oh in the subway God. stations. <laughs> yeah, but that's not you were talking about fighting, and that is a that is not true. That's a completely what, different what, thing. What they have bottled up inside, they will apply some pressure during those yeah. particular moments to spew it's, out into the world. It's it's not it's not you're thinking of like venting, and it's not venting. It's more just like being open, right? And the things you feel every day appearing yeah. out. It, it's not like you're bottling them up. The ultimate break in the eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like you become more open, or Japanese people certainly do. It's um, it's it's not that phase where the the there's frowns. It's more where the blushing is happening. You know, like oh no, I can never tell her. You know, like that type. <laughs> <laughs> that phase. She'll never of the love me. The best the best part of the drinking. People are just being themselves. Yeah, man. I just wish real life was 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 like the uh, the Japanese social standards I was raised on. Where you can just be a, a shy, miserable boy with no redeeming features whatsoever, <laughs> but the women are still gonna fawn all over you and like crawl on top of you. I was actually playing uh, Valhelm with uh, with Pat uh, yesterday, friend of the show. Uh, we were talking about people who only watch anime, and he said he has some friends like that, and I was like, <laughs> he was like, that is the worst thing you can do and this is this is a <laughs> like oh. you know like it's like they respond to things differently you know it's like we're talking about they yeah. them viewing women as like oh okay whatever you do you can do anything you can look at you know you don't you don't even have to improve yourself in any way they're always gonna fond over you and it's just like no that's not how the world works you know, and and it's they... not how Japan works at, at all. Like, of course, right in the West, that doesn't happen at all. But this no. perception <laughs> that it happens in in Japan and Asia is just ridiculous. Like, ridiculous. And yeah. it's funny because those guys, the, and it's mostly guys, come over 
And they realize that Japan is not this wonderful fantasy land where they're going to be treated like a king. The reality is way harsher than that, and that nobody really gives a fuck about who you are, white boy, yeah. right? Yeah. And <laughs> and just because you fucking know every episode of like of a sword out online, of like which is like the best anime ever, but. Uh, you know, nobody cares. And honestly, most Japanese women don't speak English and they will not talk to you because they're afraid they all have to speak English. And like, oh, that's just normal anyway. The reality of Japan is just so not like that. You're crazy. You think like this idea that like Asian women are submissive and all that kind of stuff is just nonsensical. Mm. And like you see in like Agretzko, right? The type of people that are in it. It's the, that's the reality. Like if you watch Agretzko and you think, wow. That's a harsh reality. That is Japan. Like, I guess there is a seeing lens into Japanese culture. It's crazy. It's crazy. And if you don't like that, then you, you'd never fit in here. One of the, the big differences that I think kind of breaks that stereotype is that unlike in the West, uh, Japanese women don't seem to be afraid to walk around alone in the city. Um, like, uh, like you see children taking the subway, even there's, uh, yeah, that's, that's that's not like that over here at all. Japan's safe as no. hell. It still has a problem, right? You know, Japan has a harassment problem, like sexual harassment and stuff like that. And oh yeah. The women only subway cars here. It's pretty fucking bad. Like people get followed, you know? So like it, it's it's pretty fucking weird here. That does happen in Japan. There's a really really scary video of like it went around like a couple of months ago of like a girl who like walks up to a bunch of YouTubers who are live streaming, right, in Japan and then just pretends to be their friend and they're like freaked out what's going on. And you notice that there's this guy in the background who's like been following her and she pretends to be their friend and then they suddenly quickly catch on to what's happening yeah, yeah and then yeah. they like yeah. I they put that, yeah. their arm around her and they're like joking with her and like they pretend as well and then the guy sort of follows them for a little while and then he disappears in japan yeah it is creepy like it's a bad enough problem that they have the women only subway cars and i think one of the facets yeah. you gotta account for when thinking of this is that the statistics of, of these crimes getting reported to the police are always in any society going to be underreported because it's troublesome for the victim to do that. <laughs> and also when your entire society is run by men, <laughs> these kind of things are never going to get highlighted, even if they're, you know, prominent anyway. Why Why yeah. I think the, the stereotype about the submissive women thing is, is visibly false is that even though Japan has that reputation, they're still not scared. They still go out. And, and in a way, women don't in the West. But Agorosko is a great lens through which to see Japan. Mm -hmm. It obviously shows the darker side of Japan sometimes, but it's very much the reality. There's a lot of parallels. I like, I watch Agorosko with comfort, even though it is weird. Like if I was back in the UK watching Agorosko, I would be homesick for Japan because it is just exactly like what I picture working in Japan and and... And what my reality is sometimes. And I think that's why it's so great. It frames Japan in a way that no Japanese media really has before, probably outside of movies, especially not anime. Like, there's no anime that really does that. You get a slice of life anime in Japan that has always like the the summer picturesque Japan, the cicadas oh. and and, you know, the beach episode and all of those things that Japanese people do do in the summer. But it's very, very, you know, piecemealy. Watching Tenchi Muyo at the ages of like 13 going on 14 when, when they were broadcasting it in Toonami in the US with the mm. English dub. 
right? You know, but when you're transitioning from childhood to adulthood and trying to figure out how to how to talk to people and and how to talk to girls specifically, that show probably damaged me in ways that uh, I, I guess I would not uh, uh, fully fully conceptualize until years upon years later. Yeah, Agretzko is a completely different. It's it's way more honest and raw than than the traditional anime tropey harem it. bullshit we're used to. I love it. <laughs> it's one of my favorite shows. I would gladly. It was a nice surprise when I stumbled on season one way back, and it's it's yeah. been good. It's been good ever since then. It's been God, good. I hate that she started a YouTube channel. Oh God. I Oh, I'm she focused on the wrong things. I want to say before we move on because we we we've been here for 35 minutes. Wandavision. It'll be stupid to say anything about Wandavision because it will just spoil. Watch Wandavision. It's a good show. Watch. Well, that. what if you don't know anything about the Marvel universe like me? I do. I don't think it matters. I've heard it's really freaking good, but that isn't an, an intimidating hill to climb for someone who has not. It will spoil some stuff. It assumes that you have watched uh, the Avenger movies. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, which a lot of people have because um, it's yeah. it's Marvel. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I know, I know. Some people haven't, <laughs> but like a lot of people have, and that's why they can create a whole show off of like, you know, a, a spoilery. But since WandaVision is different... I'm almost more tempted to just jump into there. Just, just jump in, because if you don't care about the and Marvel movies, no then idea why what's does it going matter? on? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Well, like it, it will explain. It will show you. I, I mean, if you don't care about the climax of the adventure movies and everything like that, then jump in. But if you do, don't jump in <laughs> because it will spoil a really powerful scene I, I i shouldn't say powerful this is not this is not a, a fucking uh soap opera whenever whenever i hang out with people in real life i really need to go through those three movies like that would make my life easier at this point that would open up how many other references and and things i can watch and internet jokes i will suddenly get i will be able to identify with the youth better my life will become materially better if i watch those three movies won't it you know, and and I not not really, but like I think you would like. Uh, I mean, they're movies. I mean, they're not life changing. Like I I I enjoyed them because they're. I mean, the best popcorn movies you can you can watch. I mean, you sit there, you just eating the fucking popcorn. Imagine working at a game studio making a science fiction game and never having seen Star Wars. Like that would seriously impact your ability to to know what you're doing in that situation. I think a lot of a lot of a lot of game designers do that, though, right? A lot of game yeah, designers I think don't... I think tackling things that you don't have an understanding about is quite fun, especially when it's not real, right? Star Wars is not real doesn't mean it defines what space has to be, right? So in Mass Effect, you can create your own ideas about what space is. I I don't know if that's the thing that happened, but it's funny because you talk about this because there's been a lot of the discourse. Fuck me, that word is awful. But, oh, I can't wait for the news this week. But there's been discourse about like people only taking cultural references from like Marvel movies and snobbish people being like, oh my God, people need to watch other things and you know, high art. No, oh, that's that's what they sound like. 
Citizen Kane. You need to watch Citizen Kane. I think if you watch One Division in Apocalypse Now, that's a true film. And you're you're sad <laughs> that you're an awful person. It's like let people enjoy shit. My God. Yes. Yes. My exactly. My goodness. L- Just listen. Let listen. You know what you could do on Twitter. You could unfollow people you don't like <laughs> and follow all the little snobby people you like. <laughs> you could just do that. So, so speaking of enjoying things, you guys have both been enjoying Valheim. Hey, yes. I, yes. I typically, I that sounds like a George game. It looks like a George game. The one and only thing that kept me from buying that button, jump, clicking that button, and jumping on the bandwagon is the early accessness. Like, like. Like, like, like a, tell me. It's a really uh, tell good me how early it is. access. This is really good for early access. Am I, I, think, am I, I wrong? think people I think at this point, after Hades and these things, people need to stop ignoring early access. I think yeah. early access is a good sign because it means you're getting content down the line. I'm I'm and a pretty glad polished game. I waited on, on Hades though. Unlike Hades, I, I'm guessing Valheim isn't so strictly story driven. Like like Hades has a beginning and an end, kinda or at all. Okay. Yeah, like 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 if it's if it's an early access non-story driven game, that does break down some barriers for me. I don't want to like get sucked in, hooked into a plot and then all of a sudden get to a screen that's like thank you for playing the the early version. We'll have the ending no. later. It's a survival game. It's like environmental storytelling at at the most. I mean, there's like a story there, but it's not which I feel is the good kind of storytelling i like it because it basically doesn't exist i can just it's all it's all surface level for me to be there yeah yeah Um, it's thematic storytelling which is fine historical period piece viking themed open world build a camp survival game this 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 sounds like my jam oh it's i'm really i'm really enjoying it that how you how you feeling yeah yeah, i I really enjoy it i've played like what like I, i think like 10 hours or so yeah, yeah, um, I played maybe fifteen, I think, or so. Yeah. Now. Oh, okay. So you deep in you, you probably so, went to the second boss. Oh, there's bosses. So I defeat the first boss. Yeah, the, world, right. the yeah. first world yeah. boss. Yeah, yeah give yeah. me an elevator pitch. I, I don't actually know how how it plays. Uh, um, you're a naked Viking. Uh, you're a naked Viking. You land like right, you will right. do in all survival games with nothing, and then you kind of figure your way by building, letting shit. it all hang out. Okay, all right. Bad. She got a rag. So you're not that letting big. the rag hang out. Letting the rag hang out. But uh, you build stuff, you hunt things, and then with you know the leather and whatnot, you build more things. You build big Viking houses, and then you build yourself up to be able to tackle. Is it five? There's five different bosses. I've only beaten one, which is the first one, Ethikir or whatever his name is. I don't want to spoil too much, so you can just have like that open experience. But like. The crafting is like you ba- make a workbench and then you mm. can build a house around it and you can do all sorts of stuff. And like if you get wet in the water, you can go by the campfire and get unwet. And if you sit by the campfire and you like sit down, you can get rest like buffs and shit and like that. Warm. You can cook on the on the campfire, right? It's like you can mm. hang f- mm. um, cooking like right on top of the the actual campfire. These are all George mechanics. And if you cook it too much, it'll turn to coal. Like oh, it's just my like, favorite. Yeah, like it's it's like there's some stuff there. Now the mini map is what I want to talk about. There is a mini map, right? It only shows you. It doesn't show the other players. Oh, that's, that's. But I think it's best to leave it on, George. 
because oh. you can click, you can drag other like little icons and say, oh, this is where a cave is. I need to come back here. Oh. This is where a thing is. Like you keep putting little icons and naming oh. them. It's like yes. really dope. You could yes. ping, you could ping on the yes. map as well. Like, oh, I meet me here. And you could ping yeah. for all the other people to come to you. Like it's just like the 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 foundation that they have for this game is quite good, good. Yeah. right? Like I was I just been playing with one other person. So that's the thing is I spent my first six hours playing solo. Yeah, and I was having a great time because the game, to be fair, yeah, it's just completely chill. It's yeah, really it's chill. chill. Music it's is good. It's not that hard. Yeah. It's, you know, even if you die, it's fairly easy to get all your stuff back and, and you know, your progress isn't happening too hard. But I did play for about eight hours the other day. Or I think it was on Sunday with two friends. We started a server and we were having a freaking great time. And yeah. that game is easily better with multiplayer, even though it is a pretty fun time solo as well. Yeah, man. Of course. Like one person is cutting the wood. One person is like getting like leather and and deer hide. And you meet back up. You make some some improvements, and oh. then I we we built a house, and then we fenced the whole house. <laughs> like I kept getting wood, and Pat just went <laughs> around the whole house and fucking fenced it in. I'll take a picture, right. and, and you can post it up. But like it was, it was essentially we started with one that was mine, and then they quickly were like. I hate your house. So they built their own. And then we had three competing houses around the, you know, the mist, the magic stones that are the yeah, way yeah. you start or you spawn. We built three massive Viking houses oh. and it looked like a Viking cul-de-sac. It was great. Dude, <laughs> this sounds like everything that feels comfy and warm about getting a Minecraft like survival village with friends going. So that's the thing I want to say. So for me, I don't know how you feel, Matt, but for me, I absolutely love the building. Yeah. They, like, it has to be stable. It has to be stable on the ground. Yeah, it has to be stable, but it's janky as fuck. And you can, mm -hmm. like, like, I love that you can slightly bend the rules of physics. Yeah. <laughs> so your house can, like, topple over down a hill. So, like, I, I couldn't figure out for ages <laughs> why the fuck my roof wouldn't work. Yeah, and like as soon as I was like, why the fuck? I was getting really angry. I was like, what the fuck is my roof keep breaking? Why can't I build my giant house? And then I started like stabilizing it with pillars, and I started mm -hmm. like balancing things out. And then I was like, oh, okay, I understand now. And I was yeah. like building bigger and bigger. But I like that you can just jankily like almost like you're nailing shit to the side just to hold it together. Like sometimes you can have like a, a mini plank and then just like put that across to keep yeah. two things together like a plaster and just dumb shit like that it has like a, a snap-on feature and stuff like that and you can sort of get things to snap together if you've laid them out correctly but sometimes it just is wildly janky and like it's just a hit and hope it's not like fortnite or minecraft where things are just like quickly yeah, yeah. snapping together <laughs> getting an actual house that is like flat and parallel is really hard <laughs> really hard absolutely hard <laughs> We have like, uh, we found this big open area, like this clearing in the forest. And yeah. you see the forest on either side. Going up the hill, you see the snowy mountains. And going down, you see the water. Oh, nice. We just have it like right there in the middle. And we just have this huge tree, like in the middle of the clearing. Like, and we did, we vow like that no one touches the tree. The tree is never cut down because it's the most massive tree That's we've ever tree. seen. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, and it was it's just like a beautiful little place that we have, <laughs> and we always know when we're home. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the clearing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, it's just like a lot of magic, a lot of magic for that, and I guess that's that's why people like it. I, I'm still, like, wondering, like, why it's so popular. Like, nearly 5 million copies? That's absolutely that's insane. Nuts. They must be really happy. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's not a bad game at all. Oh man, that like those guys are set for life. It's not a big team. Like I was actually going back through some of the history of it. It was actually an alpha released on itch.io like four years ago. And I was looking through it and the the you know the the polygonal 3D graphical style of it yeah. still kept there. The volumetric lighting and stuff is very improved is improved now. I really like the way it looks. I like that this combines like PS1 nostalgia for like mm polygonal characters low poly with like realistic lighting it reminds me of why i like the way teardown looks the other day like using voxels and then using actual volumetric lighting and stuff like that ray tracing i don't know why it's so popular because it doesn't seem like extensively better than other survival games yeah the whole viking aspect and building up to fighting a world boss like having to summon the world boss and then fight it it's really cool and i will admit the first boss fight i did have you done the first boss fight yet yeah, yeah, a couple times because we didn't okay. know. Like, we went to another uh, altar that you can summon him at. We just summoned him, like, oh, maybe it's a different deer boss. Nope, <laughs> big old deer comes yeah. out shooting lightning. I mean, apart from the fact that you can, you know, spam the arrows and and win pretty easily, I that <laughs> it's pr- it's a spectacle. Like light yeah. when that game has like storms and lightning and stuff, you're like, holy shit, this game is pretty. This game yeah. is rough. Those storms are loud. You can barely see in front of you. It's like, woof. This game's pretty crazy. There's fog and I don't know, man. This, there's, it has a lot of basic things that are all together that work. Yeah. That, that it just, yeah, it, it just, I like it. I like it. The game always attacked us. Like, oh, the, the force is moving and all those graylings will come out and attack us. But as soon as we yeah. built the wall, those stopped. <laughs> I actually panicked. Like the game is messing with us. I built like a fence around my first solo house. Yeah. And then it was like, blah, blah, blah has called the forest to attack you or something. He's rallying the forest. Oh, shit. And I was like, uh oh. And I just closed my gate and nobody could come in. <laughs> <laughs> you just had all these creatures outside. I actually, in the first place, I, I was scared, but then when it actually happened and they swarmed, it's great for farming because a load of boar come, a load of deer come, and you just like kill all the boar, get all the leather, hopefully kill the deer, which actually I find hunting deer to be really fucking annoying. Yes. Um, you have to sneak and get them oh, with that one shot, and the, the bow sucks. The bow sucks, man. I, at least the beginner bow. I, I haven't seen another bow I can make. Because the you have to really put it all the way up to get a straight shot. I'm having a real chill time with it, though. I don't know. There's something like I don't, you know, I can watch TV or listen to podcasts while playing it. I, I set my own little goals. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and when I play multiplayer, you know, we're obviously progressing towards trying to take on the bosses we're going to go to the the black forest or whatever it's called next the black woods or something yeah and yeah, uh, that's where i'm at now yeah it's pretty crazy i'm at the point where they they keep uh registering like because you could go inside these little caves george like they're completely separate and you just click it and you just load right oh, yeah, in the dungeons 
the yeah. little dungeons. And oh, I haven't even um, ta- I've only tackled one and I died. It's pretty intense if you could get surrounded by uh, skeletons. Um, and they set a location on your map of where the next boss would be. And the next boss is on another island. So we like built a little house with our spawn point as our bed. And we're going to build a little raft next time we play and sail across <laughs> and sail across to the next island to fight the other boss. Like, it's just stuff like that to just like, man, this game is cool. I'm not going to lie. I like, I like this. I'm down with this. Yeah, this game is cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that that's my home. It is pretty great. And it's kind of nice to have like a game that just is what it is, right? It's it is like, what it is, yeah. You're you're I, a Viking, I, you drop down, try to get a Valhalla, dude. I don't know. Might take you a while. Might not. Yeah. Just have a good time. Build build some stuff. And uh I feel like the way the game too it does tutorialization as well is really good. Um, you know, with the bird coming down every now and again. I actually get excited when the bird comes. Yeah. Because you've been kind of like doing stuff by yourself, trying to figure stuff out. And, you know, you feel like maybe sometimes you get a little lost and then all of a sudden you'll do something and then either more items will become craftable or the bird will appear and you're like, oh, he's going to tell me what to do next. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I know what yeah. I, I could go somewhere now and get a little excited by Hugin coming along. Sounds good. Sounds it's good. good. It's good fun. It's good. I do. Sounds like good George fun. I'm, I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Hey, have you guys played any games? No? Am I the only one who's played games? I'm expanding my project to uh, just the Hitman that. trilogy. Oh, God. I did play Fights in Tight Spaces, which is another early access game. Which looks really good, too. Yeah, I haven't played much of it, uh, but it's pretty fun. It's basically your James Bond tactical james bond and you play cards like it's a deck builder and you play cards to essentially do attacks and stuff i think the presentation wise it could do with some improvement it's very hard to tell cards apart from each other i think the art is quite boring and and the icons they use for the cards are not very good but it has and this is the reason i just want to talk about it for a second it has 2021's best game feature so far which is it's a tactical based game where you do cool spy hand to hand combat stuff in tactical nuance. So it's quite slow and you play like a kick and then you play a punch and then you play like a hammer fist and you do a dodge and then you do a block and then you do a fist. But, you know, that can take place over like 10 minutes. But once you finish that mission, you can press the show replay button. And what that does <laughs> is it plays your fight in real time, just chaining all of the moves you did. And it makes it look like a movie sequence, like a like a essentially like a a, a scene from a movie, like a John Wick, like a John Wick or a James Bond, and it's awesome. It's really cool. It's a little dodgy sometimes if you've had a round where all you've done is move around the map in really static ways. But yeah, it's when you've done a lot of attacks and you take out enemies pretty quickly. It really does look like a movie sequence. It's cool. I can't believe no one's done a feature like that earlier, specifically a super hot VR. Specifically, I I wish I could have uh, traveled back in time and infiltrated into the offices of that studio and been like, guys, put a replay function in and try to get the John Wick license. Because a a turn-based fight 
that you can turn. I, I feel like like players almost should expect that kind of feature if if that's the the gimmick of the game is slowing down a really fast fight for more strategic thinking. Yeah, it's good stuff. That replay button is just the thing that is the most highlighted for me. Just like whoa, that's uh, that was a surprise. It's good stuff though. Um, not a, uh, it's not enough to distract me from Valheim at the moment though. To Valhalla, Matt. To Valhalla. You ever played a game? You realize when you're a couple, a few hours in. I would say a few hours in that. Why am I playing this? Yes. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I know George knows me. I know. I know George. Yeah. Like it's just cold vein. I gave that another shot again because it was on Xbox. This is the exact game I was thinking of. Yeah. When you said that. Yeah. Because that's that type of game. Where you're just like, the story is shit. I mean, it's dog shit. But it has, like, a certain, like, a certain, like, thing to it. Like, there's something there. Like, oh, maybe there's something special about it. You know, the combat is kind of cool, you know. You could do, like, certain moves. There's, like, little power moves. It's like if you mix Dark Souls like sort of combat it, it doesn't feel like dark souls like how weighty dark souls feel dark souls and and like being able to do like um like power ups and shit like that and you can keep changing like your blood code which changes like um the type of weapons and stuff you can use i'm going to go ahead for people who have played it the cathedral level is the water temple of this game <laughs> it's really bad game design it's really bad level design. It's, I got through it, but my God, my God. I mean, there's multiple levels, multiple things for you to drop down. It's just, how do you not get confused, at least at the last part? That's all I'm going to say. It's, it's an overly long level of everything being off-white. Everything. The enemies, the, the world. If you ever look this up, guys, like it's all one color and all of them, everything looks the same and it's a long level. It is terrible. It is terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just want to say I'm not going to finish that game. That's why I just want to be on record and say I'm not going to finish that game. That game does not deserve me to be, it does deserve my <laughs> hands on it. Okay. Oh, I deserve my hands on it. <laughs> At this stage in life, I think it's a seriously unhealthy impulse to be feeling an obligation to finish games because they take tens of hours. They're so long. I know this one's long. I know this one's long. I just know games are so long. I know this one's long. <laughs> games are too long. I I think I got to like the halfway point or whatever. I beat that cathedral level, and they're like, "Oh, now you have to go through that cathedral again and go to the rooms." That you those doors that you saw, and I was just like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not playing you ever again. That cathedral level is a it's enough for me to put you down. I was like, I <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was already feeling like, why am I playing this? But you know, you have that. You know, when you you you're, you're in a game, you're like, this game is not gonna beat me. I'm gonna beat this game. Maybe there's something good that's gonna happen. Some some uh, it was a good fight scene that happened, but like it wasn't enough. You know, they're still talking about 
getting blood beads and all this little like jargon that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I watch people on Steam talking about this is like the best story ever. And I'm just like, what is come on guys, what are you what are you consuming? What are you consuming? What are you you elevate your tastes. <laughs> what are you crazy vampires smoking? <laughs> <laughs> what are you Oh my god. Anyways, well I want to talk about a good Hey, game. can you guys uh, quick question. Can you guys guess what uh Japan tends to call vampires? What? I don't know if I want to know. Suckers. The Japanese word for suckers. <laughs> that's not a bad that's not a bad guess. No, they don't really they don't really use vampires. Oh, they I mean sometimes you might, but Draculas. Nice! That's way better than what I was expecting. Dracula. Wow, they just call every everyone the, the king of vampires, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Draculas. I wonder if like like why they why they pick the character and the the individual. It's that's cute. I love that. I I that's adorable. Oh, you're yeah. falling into that hole, George. The next thing you know, well, I mean, we can't all be Dracula unless that's literally the name for what you are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Matt, you had a good game. You had an actual good, well, an a second good, good game, game. Come to think of it, yeah, 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 exactly. Little Nightmares 2 is the game I was talking about last, last week. Everybody's talking about that, man. It's Speaking of cute things. A good game. It, I liked the first one, and I really liked the second one. I don't get it, but I don't know if I'm supposed to get it. <laughs> I never got the first one. I just understood that I was a little child doing weird shit. And this one... um kind of the same thing but you're you're playing a different character any game where you can slide and feel awesome doing regular things is an automatically win a automatic win because like it's um it's just the movement they have it down perfectly perfectly it feels good to play even that you're playing a kid and usually when you play a kid it doesn't feel great but this one they nail it and they nail the mechanics they nail changing each level, I guess you can call it, each stage uh, with new mechanics that are drastically different. You know, and it doesn't seem like they're copying from like some other game, whatever, to like, you know, like, like, oh, this is a mechanic that we have seen in another game and here it is here. It feels fresh. I would say it ends really cool. I don't get the ending. <laughs> I, saw I don't get it. Red. That they were all discussing it as well. So maybe that's not intentional. Possibly. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It 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 doesn't make sense. They it's like almost a time jump between like what happened and why a certain person was a something, and it, like it was just really really weird, you know? Because like the last one ended with a. Uh, the little girl getting some weird powers or whatever, but like, I don't know. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in that universe. I don't care to know, to be honest, it's fun to play and it's weird. It's a little bit scary too. Uh, in certain, in certain parts, it really freaks you out. I, I would say it's one of the, I don't really get freaked out from scary games much. Uh, the last time I gotten free, I got freaked out was, uh, alien isolation. And this that was one, a long time ago. That's a long time ago. No, it's not. No, scary games are not really scary. Scary movies are not even that sc scary either. 
There's that one part in Half Life, Alex, that I I I I have which part? Not you know the the part. It's it's uh towards the second half of the game. There's a vodka distillery and a very distinct character inside. A sort of mini boss type situation. Oh, I I think I know what you're talking about. I was never scared. I don't think I I don't think I was scared in Alex. Well, I'm gonna say since Alien Isolation, yeah, I feel like like I have passed thresholds of new, newer, more intense or scarier video games, and that was Resident Evil Seven in VR and oh. that one particular chunk of Half Life Alex in VR. Oh, I can see anything that. in I VR. I can see Resident Evil. Yeah, VR, VR really, really gets you feeling like a kid playing a scary game again. Yeah, especially with good graphics. Oh my god. In fact, maybe after that, like like flat horror games just aren't gonna. Cut it. I, I guess I guess we'll see, but I, I do have recent memories at least. The magic is still out there somewhere. Alien Isolation had like a VR thing. Way it back. did. It had a really good VR mod. They yeah. they almost implemented it professionally, and the modder kind of finished the the job. But it 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 is that game looks really good in VR and plays really good in VR with the mod on. Yeah, if you haven't played it, guys, you should probably play it. That's. That's something you don't pass up right there. That's a that's a good game. That's a good game right there. So I'm reminiscing, man. I'm reminiscing now. That's what happens. You get old, you start thinking about all the games that were good. But it's okay, we got little nightmares too. That's okay. You. And Vaham. Vaham, yeah, Vaham is good. Vaham's good. That's that I'm definitely gonna be playing a few more hours of that for sure. I think I'm gonna pick Valheim up when I'm finally done with Hitman. We should get like a, a a server going on the Discord. I was looking into the the server stuff, and yeah, I guess you have to have a dedicated server hosting. Otherwise, you know, one person's PC is just gonna have to be on the whole time. The whole time, so others can access it. I've been wanting they- to get a Plex server anyway. Maybe I can like build a little little PC for Plex and uh, little servers like Minecraft and stuff. Sounds good. Speaking of paying the electricity bill. Hello and welcome. I'm Mad Visual. I'll be accompanying you along for this lovely message from our lovely sponsors, Nebula and Curiosity Stream. They're offering a bundle that includes a year off both services for $14.79. That gets you ad-free early access to these podcast episodes alongside exclusive content from other educational YouTubers, as well as CuriosityStream's library of thousands of high-quality Discovery Channel-style documentaries made by legitimate educational institutions such as the BBC and NHK. Their lineup includes the soothing sleepy time voice of David Attenborough, and George wanted to recommend his documentary about glow-in-the-dark animals in David Attenborough's Light on Earth. So if you'd like to fill your free time with enjoying some of the most lovely documentary filmmaking online, head over to curiositystream.com slash dadandsonspod. Once again, that's curiositystream.com slash dadandsonspod. Have a lovely, lovely day. Matt, I promise, I promise, promise, promise the news is going to be fun this week. Sounds like it. Maybe what's happening is that since we don't actually have an E3, busy news weeks are now getting spread throughout the year. Because this is, we have had something fun that like all three of us, at least, I guess 
not two podcast episodes ago, but there's been crazy stuff that all three of us have some sort of interest in happening week after week after week. So first up on our list is those Pokemon trailers that got announced. What do you guys think of the uh, announcement trailers for Pokemon Legends Arceus and Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl? Uh, uh, Matt, I know I know that oh. you have opinions about the downfall of Pokemon, and I'm wondering if you've seen these. I, I've seen Legends. Uh, I haven't seen the the Shining okay. or Brilliant, but uh, I've seen Legends, and that looks like shit. Oh, you think so? It looks like. Uh, have you seen the frame rate on Dude, that? Dude, no, no. Have you seen the frame rate on? <laughs> It actually looks different. It doesn't look like a normal Pokemon game. Isn't this what we wanted? It is. I would usually be the defender, but even I drunkenly tweeted saying, yo, what up with these frame rates? Dude, it looks so bad. Okay. The frame rate was so bad. And you know how I feel about Nintendo Switch uh, graphics on grass? And my God, that grass was so bad. I was like, it's so jaggy. You could cut yourself on that thing, man. The art, there's no art direction. It's so weird. So weird. <sighs> but you actually t t throw the ball with a, a yes, like Pokemon Go arc that you gotta care about, and and you, there's an over-the-shoulder 3D camera so you can see what the horizon looks like. And I mean, the the moves still do the same thing. Yeah, the Pokemon moves closer to the person, but the moves still do the same thing. I don't trust Game Freak to do this properly. The last game was so empty. Even with that, though, the art direction of the last one at least carried it. We're here with Arceus. I, I don't see any. I am. Oh, I want to be careful. But yes, yes, be careful. The Nintendo guys are going to kill us. I don't know with their money and the tech, like whatever proprietary engine they use internally, that is their own engine. The limitations on that thing are becoming starkly clear because. Yes. Indies can make better non-copied yes. and pasted worlds than that. And I'm not, this is not me saying this is weird. Twitter like, oh, what the fuck's up with this? It is actually weird seeing such a large, massive series do something, especially so considering bad. they've attempted, you know, in the previous one, seeing Arceus and being like, Oh boy, that it that does not look good. Like no. you, the bit where they run through the village, like there's no shadowing on the houses, there's no detail. It's literally flat boxes yeah. put into a field, and they're all copied and, and pasted. And the trees. <laughs> it's it's really odd that watching that trailer was honestly odd to me. Yes, I love the tweet that showed that awful picture of Mario in Unreal Engine Four that said they finally hired that guy. <laughs> no. but but okay i will totally concede that the graphics aren't great it doesn't look fancy or anything but what i think i'm caring more about is the camera angle and the moves that that you see the the player character doing like this is at least though i'm you know not not from the trailer expecting it to be fancy and polished or anything but this is at least the direction i kind of am wanting if I'm going to pick up another Pokemon game at, at 30 years old. Yeah, in terms, of, in terms of gameplay. But I also need to concede that I am not a big Pokemon fan. I find the traditional Pokemon battle system really lethargic. I, I tried playing Pokemon Pikachu, Yellow, Doodoo, whatever it was called, and, and I was put to sleep. 
I've never managed to get into these games since I was an actual child. And I think a, a reboot of the gameplay systems like this is what someone like me would need to perk up my interest again. Billion kids is gonna are gonna buy this stuff regardless. Like like it's it's reminding me of Sonic in a little ways. It's a series it's a series for kids, right? So I, I, I'm happy they're going in a no, a new direction. There's a lot of Breath of the Wild nods in the trailer. Um like camera swoops and stuff, but my um Oh yeah, Breath of the Wild invented that angle, right? Of someone on top of a hill that's copyright. I'm re-watching the trailer now and I'm like I'm oddly surprised that this was okay for them. It looks very early in bare bones. I, I like when when they first throw the Pokeball at the Shinx. That's what makes me hope for a better future. Yeah, but the frame rate of that footage is low. It's sub thirty. Yeah. Oh, it is absolutely. It shouldn't. They, they felt okay releasing this trailer. They felt okay, and it's fine. Like you know early stuff right but this is pokemon this is a multi-million trillion dollar franchise or whatever right like 48 seconds in if you look at the trailer not only is the frame rate of like the character and the stuff moving but if you look at the shinx models the frame rate at which their tails move is like three frames per second okay okay i'll put it this way after seeing the trailer for pokemon legends arceus I'm ready to to black out the other media of it and wait for the review score and maybe pick it up if it reviews well. The other one, on the other hand, uh, uh, and Matt, you have not seen the brilliant Diamond and Shining yeah, Pearl trailers. Let's get you going on that. Oh my, sorry, sorry. Look, one, one more thing, one more thing. Before, uh, uh, one minute and three seconds in, there, I think it's a Hoppet is flying in the air and the frame rate, I wish the Hobbit flies in the air. Yeah, yeah. It's this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's bad. It's like lagging. <laughs> what the hell? This is insane. How is this allowed? It blows my mind. I would never, if this was my game, no fucking way. This would never ever get past it. I say this for the 20th time. Whoever edits these trailers, <laughs> no, no, this is not what you do. <sighs> This is not what you do. Oh, maybe they could speed the footage up to make it look smoother. <laughs> Put it through an AI interpolator just for the trailer. It just looks so empty. Like, it's so, oh man, it's so weird. It's such a weird trailer to me. As the resident anti-hype asshole of, of the podcast, I do feel it is important to, to say that trailers do not represent the final quality of a product, and we've been through that drama a jillion times before since the invention of trailers themselves. But on the opposite end, too? Jesus Christ. The, the reaction to this could, as has happened before in the past, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog the movie, the reaction to this could push them to, to take a different direction for the final product and delay things until it needs to be more polished. I, I but, but the reaction to this is, is like... And they'll make millions and they won't. <laughs> the, the reaction to this is not bad, though. It's not bad. Look at the dislike bar. People eat this shit up, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay, on YouTube, it's not bad. On Twitter, it is. And I feel like that's also evidence of, of how the SEO algorithms work and how you can buy likes and, and subscriptions on YouTube and you can't do that as easily on Twitter. Yeah, but a Twitter is also, you got to remember, Twitter are people who played Pokemon for years and years and years and who are not really the audience anymore. It's people like us just giving opinions about video games. 
you can also, as a YouTube channel, delete negative comments. So what you're seeing on the YouTube analytics is not necessarily representative of... But the dislike bar, though. The dislike bar you definitely can see. But I'm looking at the I'm looking at the IGN. This is IGN. IGN are not going to delete negative yeah. comments of, and and buy likes for Pokemon. They're not going to do that. Oh yeah, it is IGN, isn't it? Yeah, it's only two K dislikes. And but IGN would still, I would imagine, moderate their comment section. Maybe the bar was set so low because of the last Pokemon be game being so bare bones. That this is like, oh, yeah, innovation. This is innovation for them. In any case, speaking of the other end of the fence, the exact opposite of innovation and something that, that I think we'll get some giggles out of. Are you ready to, to start that, that Diamond and Pearl trailer? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. in there. I'm I, think in there. That, I uh, think this one is fine. It just looks boring. Oh, you think that one looks fine? The, uh, that, at least it runs at a frame rate and has an art direction to it. Oh, yeah. it better because... I'm it <laughs> contrast on is pretty heavy, huh? I'm not a fan of the chibi nature of the characters. Like, and what what is frustrating about this trailer is that it starts with the pixel art of of the original. I'm just like, oh man, I'd rather just have that. I just can't believe this is a Switch game. It doesn't look like a game of a similar camera angle and art style. It doesn't look as good as Animal Crossing. It doesn't look as good as the Link's Awakening remake. But it looks as good as Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. Yeah. And that was a remake. And and I think I'm having a similar reaction to this trailer that you guys were having to Arceus. But at least, like, the Pokemon are running at animation speeds that <laughs> match the game. Yes, yes. You're thinking about just the gameplay. You're not thinking about the way it looks. Like, Arceus, obviously- Well, and the art style. Like, any any shots that involve trees, like, like those yes. copy-pasted trees, yes. it looks like a tile set. But it is because it's matching the original game, whereas Arceus is an open world game where you would expect a more natural environment where Arceus has copied and pasted assets all over the place, including the houses, which look really strange. Whereas this is copying a tile set of pixel art makes a lot more sense because the locations of all the trees and the houses are going to be exactly the same, right? But we've seen examples of how to make a remake of a 2D game with a tile set that can still look organic and not as repetitive as, as what we see here. Like what? Like the Link Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening has a gorgeous art style that doesn't have Agreed. this uh, copy-paste. That's Nintendo, you know, EPD. First party. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. technically the Pokemon company. It's technically yeah. not Well, Nintendo. this is Game Freak. This is Game Freak, right? So. Right. Man. I think I think this game looks better because it has a direction. I think Arceus is going off on one that they don't know what they want yet. Arceus looks like the overambitious fan project, and that's why I think I'm into it. Diamond and Shining Pearl, to me, looks like a, a quick and dirty remake of a gameplay style I'm already not that big of a fan of. And so I'm I'm like, I know I'm out. Like Arceus, I'm curious about the Diamond and Pearl thing. I'm I don't have time for that. I like how the characters look, but there's oh, this sure. shot. There's this shot where um you see the forest in the clearing, and there's like four characters on the screen, and then you see the water on the top left. That shot right there, it doesn't look good. It with the trees, and that's it. Just doesn't look good. I don't think either look great. Um, but every other every, when they're in the snowy area, everything like else, it looks okay. But every time that there's trees, it just looks off. And I 
like they need help like they need <laughs> they need help right they need more people or different people like i don't understand what, what's happening what's happening with game freak i, I don't because it's like it's part of this is Pokemon. This is not like, I don't know, like Soul Calibur. You know, this is not like a niche thing. It's Pokemon. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to play it. We're going to jump from that into another trailer that caused a big splash. Um, leaked footage of Elden Ring has appeared on the internet uh, yesterday. Wait, what? Monday, March 1st, the day before we record this. It's a shaky cell cam, cell phone camera video that is extremely blurry <laughs> of, of trailer footage that has the word confidential stamped across the screen about 80 times in a grid pattern. I think that's hilarious. It's almost like a Simpsons gag. The more times they post confidential on the screen, the less people will, will be able to watch this video, I guess, somehow. Yeah, it looks... More or less, as advertised, as expected, it looks like a Dark Souls game with a bigger world that you sometimes trot through with a horse. Have you guys seen this stuff? No. Yeah, I feel so bad for the... I feel so bad for Namco Bandai. Why? Everyone's real excited. They love this shit. Fans are ravenous about this trailer. Yeah, but they've seen it. Imagine working on a fight. Like, you never think of, like, how people want to see their content pre presented. Like, imagine somebody watched your YouTube video through a fucking, like, iWatch or something like that. Yeah, hell live. Potato fucking footage of what you've been working on for fucking years. Some dickhead decides he knows how to do things better and records your fucking, your trailer on a fucking potato phone from, like, 1995. Like a dickhead. It sure did help trend the Elden Ring hashtag for a day That's and engage the, anyway. the commercial community. People have jobs, like PR and marketing, and people whose jobs are specific to create these things and then release them and build hype around it. Like, to lead... Yeah, well, they'll live. Oh, George, honest to God, like, take your head out of your ass from a consumer standpoint for sometimes and think about people who make shit for a living. Right? You never do. You do this every single time, right? <laughs> People's jobs and it is their work to do these things. That trailer will lead to call to action stuff like wishlisting or pre-orders and stuff like that. And it's really important making games to do it because usually you only get one chance. That first announcement trailer or whatever, right? People spend fucking months making these things. And then it's the same with the Naughty Dog stuff. It's the same when any game gets leaked. It fucking sucks. It really is like a huge change to how things have to proceed forward. I don't know what's going to happen, especially considering it seems like it's Namco Bandai who got it, like Europe or whatever, got it leaked or whatever. Dude, Japanese devs are not going to abide by that. Like whatever is going on in From Software, they are probably not very, very happy people, right? And people might lose their jobs over this kind of thing. It sucks when this happens. There are massive repercussions other than people just being able to see shitty footage of Elden Ring. You can't tell me you watch that and be like, this is great. I'm so happy. I just saw this. Instead of waiting for an official trailer and being like, now I've seen Elden Ring in 4K and I'm excited. You could barely see anything in this footage. I can't see the animations, and that's really what I want to see. I want to see if it looks and feels like kind of like how Sekiro felt. Like, very loose. Well, you, you do get to see the classic Dark Souls door animation. You, you see some Torch yeah. Souls play. There is a jump that looks an awful lot like the Dark Souls 2 jump. 
there is one spell, like a homing spell, like I can't remember what it's called, homing mass or something, where the four dots appear around you. Um, that's the only other noticeable thing I can see from Dark Souls. There's a lot of like continued berserk inspiration, like the big tree uh, at one point. Berserk? I barely see anything. Yeah, berserk, I, can't, the I can't really tell. It looks pretty loose in the, the section where you start seeing the, the witch. Um, but then it gets a little static near the end. I don't want to play Dark Souls. I want to play the new shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to I play new shit, man. Was a little. I don't know if I, if I have, if I have the energy for another one of these mountain hike climbs. Oh, Sekiro mountain hike climb. I don't know. After Sekiro, after Sekiro, I'm even more excited than if it was a Souls game. I think the footage of the horse riding is a little more interesting to me because I do find it harder to imagine a Dark Souls style combat system where things are slow and heavy Mm. and so focused on those one on one duels. I I do find it interesting to imagine how they could have you on a fast horse running through enemies instead of staying there and dueling with them. That that does look different. But yeah, the the on foot stuff. Seems a little, a little too familiar. I don't. I don't want Dark Souls. I just hope that it's not Dark Souls. I want Bloodborne or or Sekiro. You that's know what, what though? None of that's gonna matter because this thing is gonna sell gazillions already. The hype for for this game is 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 through the roof. I I seriously couldn't believe how much people. You know, maybe you can at least sympathize with me on this, Liam. Is that I can. I do think it's a little silly how much people cared about this incredibly blurry footage of of a game we've played before. I I have so many weird thoughts about this because the people who essentially drew people to it are VGC and obviously Jason Schreier, right? And Andy, who does VGC, is somebody I really respect and really like. I did a podcast with him actually recently, right? And like these trailers were really hard to find. There were threads and threads, like threads in 4chan and Resetta and everything of people trying to find it. Right, because they were not easily they, they stamped confidential on it a lot. But the point is, they were not easily found. It wasn't until it was highlighted that they existed that then people just literally dig. Supposedly, this leaked trailer has been floating around in some forums and stuff for like a month. So it wasn't until it was highlighted. I feel like nobody gains like those websites gain traffic, and I understand they need to exist like that. And then Resetter gains traffic, and then everybody gets hyped because it means the Elden Ring still exists. I get that. Everybody's excited. No one's heard anything about Elden Ring. But of course, that trailer being in the fully-fledged form that it is means that something is coming, right? At some point. And just, I just can't help get over but feel for people when they get their stuff leaked like that. Especially when you build up like big campaigns to do these kind of things. And I guess the only positive you can glean from this is that the response was people were like obsessed with trying to find it. And it's kind of hard to pass through whether they were excited about Elden Ring because of course, but also because the fact that people, everybody was just ravenous to try and find the video. If the video was just freely available from the beginning, I don't know how much of a stir this would have caused. Cause I think people who were not that interested would have just not watched it. But I think the sort of hype of like, where is the video? Let's try and find it. Was also a part of what caused that massive silliness, I think. I made a tweet saying that the hype culture behind Elden Ring is going to be pretty bad. 
and that blew up. If you tweet about this game, you know, the Dark Souls Twitterverse is going to jump on you and, and, and discuss. There's a post on Reddit um, on the slash R Elden Ring subreddit uh, with my tweet. Um, I just like want to point out that I'm sure it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, yes, FromSoft makes good games. And this is a thing. And this is why it's another important thing. If you were worried about Elden Ring after seeing fucking a minute of potato footage cut together, you're an idiot. Like, just wait to yeah. see fucking... The footage looks fine. The game is probably going to be fine. What I'm concerned about is, let's say, a Dark Souls 2 situation. Uh, I, I, I am of the opinion that following a game's pre-release marketing materials is a bad idea because you're going to start building expectations in your head about what the product's going to be that's not going to be representative of the final product. And like when I was growing up in that 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 coming of age experience, uh, GTA 4 and Twilight Princess were the two games that really disillusioned me to games marketing because I feel like I would have enjoyed them better if I did not consume that stuff as fervently as I was back then. I was a huge Zelda fanatic as a kid. I reviewed that 2004 Twilight Princess E3 footage like I was looking for aliens in it. Like there was a few frames of Link shooting a bomb arrow at a gob moblin. And I was like, oh my God, the game's gonna have bomb arrows. And it ships, it doesn't have bomb arrows. And Dark Souls 2 is a game that I enjoyed. And I know I'm in the minority on that. But I swear, one of the reasons I did, and also one of the reasons I enjoyed Pillars of Eternity so much, is that I was going through those games blind and in a kind of media blackout environment. And under those conditions, you realize like how much of these impressions is in your head. G game design is, is subjective. Game quality is subjective. Engineering your expectations to a place where you are better able to enjoy something rather than criticize something is what I think is ultimately like going to make you happier throughout life as you play through games you're looking forward to. Like I was looking forward to Total War Troy. A lot of people were disappointed by Total War Troy. I saw one cinematic CGI trailer and then waited for review scores. And when it got mid eighties, I was like, okay, that's safe for me to pick up. I'll go through with it. And I was happy. But also you've got to remember that a part of being a part of the hype cycle and people looking forward to these things is part of the enjoyment of the experience of the game, right? Some people, inevitably the game releasing is just a means to an end. It's the hype and the buildup and the excitement. And that is kind of the fun for people, especially when it comes to stuff like this which don't, doesn't come around that often. I think of fighting games and releasing characters, right? That essentially is marketing, but it's also like some of the most exciting parts, Nintendo Directs and, and that kind of thing, right? You remember a moment in time when Final Fantasy VII Remake was announced on the E3 stage and all that kind of stuff, right? Oh yeah, I made a video everyone really hated. The game itself isn't exactly just the only part where your fun and excitement can begin. People, you know, on the Elden Ring subreddit who obviously go crazy and stuff like that you know being a part of this community and stuff like that is the fun for them and i don't think it's completely okay to just be like everyone's stupid for believing marketing hype or getting invested before the game gets released and you should go in blind and stuff like that i think it's just personal preference maybe i don't know some people like the hype i think it's an issue of moderation that getting involved in this stuff i I have always found it mentally exhausting. 
the the dramas around trailer downgrades and how it kind of creates this culture where people are expected to nitpick over trailers and, and put the footage under a magnifying glass. I mean, when people go back and do that crap thing where like, where's the Spider-Man puddles gone from E3 2009, right? That kind of stuff. It's like, oh God, get over it. The game's out, right? And that happened with Dark Souls 2. The counter argument to my argument is, no, it's fine. You, you, we're making a good bet. It's okay for us to get hyped because FromSoft has a good reputation. That drama, that mentally exhausting drama that I'd rather not participate in because I feel it does make your enjoyment of the game worse, did happen with Dark Souls 2. I think Dark Souls 2 is fine. It has some ugly moments, but so does everything in life. I, 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 think, I think that's only for some people. Like sometimes people can be like hyped for something and be totally okay with it being disappointing. And they can go on with their life. Some people can't. Not not us YouTubers. <laughs> yeah, but also some people can never not look at a trailer and never not consume stuff. Because, you know, if a YouTuber watches a trailer and, and expects the final game to look exactly like it, that's, that's a 30-minute video. That's thousands of bucks of ad revenue. There is a commercial incentive, a real commercial incentive, a conflict of interest between enjoying the game blindly and comparing it to the marketing materials. Like, there is money to be made by doing that on, on YouTube. Man, that's such a boring YouTube thing. My gosh. In, in back in the day, YouTube used, was creative. <laughs> back in my day, we used to actually work and actually create good content. Right, George? Shut up. <laughs> I think you're right, George. I do. But I also think there is like, with anything, there is just two extremes on either side. Yeah. And these people are mostly on the extreme of the other side. There is this majority that just exists in the middle where if I saw the Elden Ring trailer tomorrow, I'd be like, damn, that game looks pretty tight. And then wait until the game comes out. And and those people are going to characterize my side as being like, like an extreme Luddite when the reality is I do watch trailers. I just make a conscious point not to watch too many. Like, I'll I'll watch two. I really fucking enjoy Ko Koji Kojima makes the best trailers. Like, like, you gotta watch the Kojima trailers if you're ever gonna spoil mm. yourself of what a game... That's another example, I feel, of how expectations from weirdo marketing campaigns ends up getting turned around to make people think the game's something it's not as Death Stranding. But that, yeah, but that's the point, right? Something like Elden Ring doesn't come along that often. I think if you saw the James Bond trailer from, you know, IO Interactive tomorrow, you'd be like, oh, I'm gonna watch that, right? Didn't Sekiro come out two years ago? Uh, Sekiro came out in 2019, and Elden Ring was first announced two years ago or a year and a half ago, right? They, they've been churning out Souls games pretty regularly. I, I think they do happen often. It's a bi-yearly event. And, and then there's the DLC releases between those two years. Well, it's, it's not like a Call of Duty trailer. Sekiro didn't get any, did it? No, oh, Dark Souls 3 did, though. Dark Souls 3 had a, uh, had a, lot, of, a lot of places in the news when, when Sekiro came out. Where was Dark Souls 3? 2017? Oh, I think it was 2017, right? Yeah, they had like three big DLC releases, though, going over the, the following years. And, and they scored pretty okay, not as good as the Dark Souls 2 DLC. But um, I am surprised they didn't actually do more for Sekiro, come to think of it. Oh, which is sad, because the game's still fantastic. Yeah, it's... Jason Schreier has a scoop... Good old Jason. ...about Dragon Age 4. Ooh. Um, he is saying that, according to people familiar with the matter, EA originally was was planning Dragon Age 4 to be a, a live service game. 
And I'd really like to know more about why he decided to choose the word allow here, because that makes it sound like EA was forcing it to be a live service game, which I can't imagine happen. It just sounds like the, the, the amount of control publishers have over beloved franchises may even be worse than I was previously characterizing. <laughs> the language in the article, I'm going to read the exact article and then and then let's 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 bullshit each other over it. According to people familiar with the matter, the next Dragon Age, which does not yet have an official title or release date, had previously been designed with a heavy multiplayer component, said the people who asked not to be named. In recent months, it has transformed into a single player only game after EA was stung by a recent multiplayer flop. The flop in particular being Anthem. Two recent games changed the mind of executives at EA. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was seen as successful enough for them to redirect it into a single-player direction. Uh, the next Dragon Age first entered development into 2015, which is a long-ass time ago. But in the fall of 2017, EA and Bioware rebooted the game to push for long-term monetization. This change led to the departure of creative director Mark Laidlow, who was the writer of the Half-Life series. And a, um novelist for some other projects, but did not work at EA or Bioware for very long at all. Uh, this change led to the departure of creative director Mike Gladlaw and caused some employees to dismiss the game as Anthem with Dragons. Mm -hmm. Some members of Bioware's leadership fought to pivot the next Dragon Age back to a single-player-only game, according to people familiar with the discussions. So yeah, um, what does Schreier mean by saying this is EA's allowing them? Because I thought the, the general practice was that like you, you present a proposal to your publisher and they green light it or red light it, rather than the publisher being like, nah, this makes total sense to me. Like we're talking about timelines. Think, just think logically for a second. One, 2015, Anthem's being made. EA thinks Anthem will be the next hot shit. Okay, well, so what makes sense? Well, let's create... A Dragon Age that has similar veins to whatever Shadow of War uh, the Lord of the Rings game was doing, which also got slated for its loot boxes, but had them. And also, they wanted to probably follow in the footsteps of Anthem, right? Switch to 2017, right? Uh, sorry, like, most recently, after 2017, so when J Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Anthem has come out, has been a massive disaster, has made like probably no money for them at all. And games like Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order have probably made a fair bit of money. And also they've probably thought about it and been like, well, Dragon Age Inquisition also made us a fair butt ton of money and is a single player game. Anthem was garbage. It probably makes a lot of sense. It seems like just logical EA business decisions from their standpoint has all come to a head. And you're right, George, I think Publishers do have complete and utter control, and they probably will force these things upon them. No doubt. I mean, yes, you'll have proposals, but whether you have how much control you have over that, I doubt there isn't that much, to be honest. Using the word allow and forbid, I, I'm, I'm literally picturing EA submitting their proposals to Bioware. <laughs> and EA being like, no, we're not going to submit you a Dragon Age 4 unless it's a live game. Ah, uh, that's topsy turvy. No, I think it. I think it's more whatever ideas they had for Dragon Age after Inquisition. They went to EA, and EA was like, "Great, now, what if you do all of that, but it's multiplayer and there's loot boxes?" And then Bioware will be like, "Well, we probably don't think that's the way forward. You know, it doesn't quite work." And they'll be like, "Well, we think it is the way forward." <laughs> 
Look at Anthem. Look at that. That shit's going to be the hottest shit. That Bob Dylan ass crap over there. That's going to be amazing. And they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe we can stick with Dragon Quest Four ideas from this. And they're like, you can do that. Just don't forget to do all the other stuff that we want you to do. And here's the funding. Yeah. You need to have some simple sometimes. <laughs> EA, of course, in the past 10 years, not great. Kudos to uh, 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 Laidlaw um, leaving out of out of the principle of the art. But at the same time, I feel really bad for people who, you know, didn't write the Half-Life series and don't have that kind of security. Yep. People never think about the jobs. Also, uh, did we talk about it last week? But Anthem like got canceled, right? Yeah. Anthem 2.0 is dead. Anthem next or whatever. Damn. Uh, uh, more... Confusingly bad news. Um, Sony is downsizing their first party internal Japan studio, which I guarantee has made many of our and our listeners' favorite games. If you think of a first party Sony title over the years since like the invention of the PlayStation itself, chances are it's somewhere on this list. Sony's internal Japan studio has released a statement to IGN saying that they are recentering to Team Asobi, the creative team behind Astro's Playroom, allowing the team to focus on a single vision and build on the popularity of Astro's Playroom. The vast majority of Japan studio staff were being let go as Sony decided to not renew their annual contracts, which run until the end of the fiscal year on March 31st. Some staff have been reassigned to Team Asobi, while others are reportedly joining Boca, a new studio founded by Silent Hill and Gravity Rush director. This does bring up a very good question though that i've had all these years and that is exactly what japan studio like like is 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 it a room you can walk into is it a floor of of an office building and where the line blurs between the other developers they participate with so i linked to a big list of of games they've made or at least supported right because I think that's kind of the distinction I want to to ask about here is uh, where the line for a game like Bloodborne, for example, where the line blurs between Bloodborne being a FromSoft game and a Sony Japan studio game, uh, how how the corporate hierarchy works here, what the terminology means and, you know, what we can expect from the future. I mean, it's probably a bit of both, right? It's like you'll have the first party games they work on that they make themselves like Gravity Rush. Uh, and those series, and then with Bloodborne, it'll be development support, very similar into how Nintendo-owned uh, companies work, like you know, Intelligent Systems, and then also Good Feel and Next Level Games. How sometimes they'll make their own games, and then they'll be doing like development support on other games. And uh, I imagine if you went through, you'd find a whole host of things. This is really sad. We we were saying this is exciting news. All of these stories are basically devs just either losing their jobs or getting shot on. This is lame. <laughs> this is fucking lame. And this is awful. Like, this is... Sony Japan Studio are a really iconic studio, and they have been around for a real long time, and they've been doing stuff in some form or capacity since the 90s. And Team Asobi are doing amazing work, right? Obviously, the Astrobot stuff is really good, and Sony sees a lot in that. But... When it says most will let go, then like it means most will let go. I can imagine Team Asobi probably hired a few, and Bokeh are a new studio that are not that big. Like they're like ten people, so they probably hired like two people from Sony, right? So this is just sad, right? You think of all amazing games like Lokoroko and Patapon and Wild Arms and Bloodborne and. <sighs> 
Yeah, the implication is we're going to be seeing less of that and more like Naughty Dog style partnerships. Oh, well, it's weird because I, I don't I don't know where Sony get the money for Naughty Dog and they can't run Sony Japan. It's super weird, but I I guess the profits for the standout examples of the past couple of years, the God of Wars, the Spider-Man's, the Last of Us 2's, I guess I guess it ultimately dwarfed whatever whatever was happening at Japan Studio. I can't remember what the last thing they worked on was, but I mean, you're probably not wrong. No way. According to Wikipedia, it's the Demon Souls remake that everyone loves so much. Well, they probably did development support alongside, of course, the actual developers, which was Bluepoint. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a Bluepoint game published by SIE. And, uh, you know, when you look at the Wikipedia, this is part of the confusion, is that when you look at the Wikipedia page for the Demon Souls remake, it says the developer is Bluepoint and the publisher is SIE. When you go to the Wikipedia page for Japan Studio, it lists Demon Souls as their last game. Yeah, because they probably did development support in some way. I mean, it's quite common, and they get credited as such. Ugh. <sighs> oh, well, I guess technically it would also have been Astro's Playroom, because they were both launch titles, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, Team Asobi were Japan's studio team. So there is a team inside that were doing really successful. They decided to cut all of the fat and essentially rename Sony Japan to be just Team Asobi, I guess. Team Astro... Astrobot. The Astrobots are neat, you know? I, I like them. I think they're neat. But, yeah. When you scroll down the list of, of Japan studio games, it's enormous. And it is really sad how much smaller that list gets in the 2010s. But a hell of a lot of like mascot quality PlayStation brands, which the Astrobots nowadays are, are are on here. Like Ape mm. Escape, Everybody's Golf, so many classics, so many. Bleach, Heat the Soul. <laughs> oh, the Team Ico games, the uh, Shadow of the Colossus and Ico and Last Guardian. Uh, so last but not least, and I'm gonna try to be fast about this because we are running out. Is uh, an incredibly strange story. This is, this is. I can't believe the the balls it takes for for the company to try to get away with what they're trying to get away with, according to the people making the allegations here. A developer named Frogwares, who makes detective games, they previously made a lot of Sherlock Holmes games. They released a game called The Sinking City that was a Lovecraft detective game. It released in 2019 to all the usual platforms, uh, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. The PC release was a one-year Epic exclusivity store contract. And after that, their distribution license with their publisher was supposed to run out, but their old publisher ended up, according to Frogwares, pirating and then modifying and then illegally uploading and selling the game on Steam. Bizarre. What the hell? How do they think they can get away with that? What are what? How did they weigh the risks versus the benefits of that decision? And then come away thinking that they should still go through with this silly plan. Seems like they think they're going to win that court case. Who knows? Frogwares has made a video and a blog post in which they very confidently show why they think they, uh, they have a case here. They show some video footage of, of how the publisher supposedly just swapped the logos out in the beginning of the game when you boot it up. Uh, how the version that they're selling doesn't have some live UI widgets connected to the Frogware servers, like the, the legitimate version they're showing off to compare, and how they can uh, kind of sort of modify the existing Steam version with some encrypted 
en encryption key dev tools that I don't know much about, but otherwise supposedly show that they were the developers of this game that got uploaded to Steam without their permission. I mean, yeah, what the hell? I, I I don't understand. Like, if Frogwares did it, then they would have all the assets. So how could they not prove that they made the game? It's really hard to fake that you made a game. How would they not have a case? The best way to explain it would be like, imagine if Bioware and EA fell out and Bioware like bought a version of Dragon Age 4 and then decided to sell that version of Dragon Age 4 after modifying it on Steam and, and Bioware couldn't do anything about it. That is, that's what's happened here. I thought the contract ran out though. Well, that's the thing. That's the dispute, right? So that's why Nakon are, uh, and Frogwares are fighting. So that's maybe Nakon are really confident in that French court case. But Frogwares are the developers. So I, I don't know. I think Frogwares might uh, hopefully win. I'm so fuck. confused on why, how someone could get away with like blatantly just robbing someone's work. They, they've been around since 2002. Like they're not some little unprofessional troll account on steam like they're they're a big company this goes to show part of the problem steam steam man steam just lets any garbage on there these days frogwares has said that they uh quote trust steam to uh resolve the issue as as they they further settle this legal dispute yeah okay <laughs> steam's like is the game making money yes well i don't care then <laughs> yeah what if there's something like wrong with the game and it needs to be patched? Like, what did they do? They're gonna have their hackers patch the game? Like, I don't understand. Like, I I don't understand how this works. But I guess it doesn't really matter. I don't think they do either. I think that's. I think no one being able to understand how something like this should work is why it's illegal. This is so weird. I can't even take it seriously. When 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 you sent that in the Discord, I was like watching and I was like, wait, what? I thought it was a joke. Yeah. I, I was <laughs> I was so confused. A company hacking the game and putting it up on Steam. It just seems so off. I, you can't tell if can't tell if it's a joke anymore we're in the post-truth era my friend i kind of don't like the frogware video there's a peggy 18 in the beginning of the video like why is there that there <laughs> i don't know because they're going to show footage of their game it's just like just start the video or maybe maybe just just if they want to show it in court or something <laughs> yeah if they, th maybe they reread the fine print and just want to make sure they're covering every base while doing this allegedly publishing your case to the public on the internet thing that I swear you're not allowed to do when you make court cases against people. So there's there's an element of of them, maybe I don't know. It's I'm it might be different in the French and Belgian systems than than the American ones. But oh, you're not. Oh, yeah. That that's one of the criticisms that was pointed towards Epic in their lawsuit against Apple was them kind of going oh, public yeah. with their their argument and their evidence, and then getting the kids riled up with this free Fortnite hashtag. Yeah, remember when Jim Sterling got sued by Digital Foundry and 
people still don't really know the details. I mean, they might, but they're not publicized that heavily. Yeah. Not Digital Foundry. Somebody else. Not Digital, digital. Homicide. Digital Homicide. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> not Digital Foundry. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine breaking news. Super Bunny Hop accuses Digital Foundry of suing Jim Sterling. Oh, actually, oh my God. If, we, if you get in the news for some bullshit like that, I'm going to lose my mind. Digital three-syllable second word. Sue me. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. It's just like that joke, uh, that joke that got popular when Strider was uh, saying, like, oh, they canceled Elden Elden Ring. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then someone wrote an article quoting Jason Schreier as Off a saying, joke. No, no. <laughs> uh, man. So we don't have a lot of time. So I'm going to start us off with the very, a very, very short listener question. Mr. Bubbles is doing something that, that a lot of our listeners should do, and that is submit a question to our, our Patreon Discord. Mr. Bubbles wants to know, what do you guys prefer, phone calls or texts? Phone calls. Oh, fuck you. No. The phone call garbage communication. Phone calls are garbage communication? Phone calls are, are going the way of the dodo, my friend. The future is now, old man. Phone calls are dinosaur. It's a dinosaur way to talk to people. I am old school. I'm the oldest one on this podcast, right? That, that's what we established, right? I think that's what happened. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Preferably neither. Yeah, no. I like phone calls. I like phone calls Why? better. No, the, Listen, listen, if it's just like, like me, when me and my best friend talk, we text sometimes, you know, it's just quick thoughts, but there's nothing like a good session of like talking about a bunch of shit really quickly on a phone call. Texts just take too long. When you're dating someone, phone calls, phone calls are better. Yeah, I can, that, then I can agree with, but in general, I don't like either. <laughs> I really? Am really Facebook Messenger is like a void to me. Like <laughs> people, my mom will message me and it'll take me like a week to reply. Like I just can't find the space or energy to be able to reply to these things. And I much prefer reading than replying. And it's the replying part that's hard. Like I like reading like group chats and stuff and catching up with people. Um, but it's the replying part that's hard. So with a phone call, like I feel like I'm stuck in one place at a time that I haven't necessarily chosen for something I can't ignore, where I have to be replying and talking about something. I um, I don't know. Text, give me the option to ignore now and do later, or just ignore entirely, and then you know. I, I like how with with the written word, all you have to do is just look at it. Like, if I'm talking to someone, I'm stretching muscles. Like, my throat and my esophagus are moving. That takes energy. I have to eat food to do that. Also, I live in Japan, so texts tend to be, like, stickers and emojis and not actual words. So I could just reply with a picture of Kirby and someone gets <laughs> what I mean. I wish we had that. Those Kirbys are, are good, good creatures. I do understand George being a text person, though, because, my God, does that boy like to write. Yes. Yes, I, I, I prefer text in general over video. One of the great big generation gaps is me not liking video tutorials. I'd rather have text tutorials. Oh, I'd much prefer video tutorials. But, uh, man, I, I don't, don't blame you, man. With that voice, you want, and you're dating someone, you want to be on, you want to be on a, you want to be on a Ladies. phone call. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I will concede 
that they have had their place in history. <laughs> but I, for one, am looking forward to the future of our text message overlords. Oh, my God. I rather, like, when I'm cleaning or driving somewhere long, catch up with somebody. Boom. Put them on. Quick phone call. 30, 40 minutes. That that I'd be okay with because I'm stuck. Yeah, I, that I'd be fine with. It, it is against the law to text and drive. Yes, yes. If it's against the law, I guess I'll do it. If there's a place where I'm forced to not be able to do something else and I could, that's fine. Totally fine. Yeah. And in fact, it would be enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I feel like I talk about it in a text. So I guess that's it. I just like doing that. I don't know. Hello, ladies. I'm old. I like being face to face. What's up? What's good? What's happening? Mouth to mouth. Mouth to mouth. <laughs> hand in hand. Man to man. <laughs> wow i like this podcast let's quickly rush through a complicated difficult question and then oh, we'll dude. wrap <laughs> okay jim b says i've recently purchased an oculus quest 2 and i've had a grand old time playing all sorts of games nice. i found it difficult to return to flat gaming since however something about vr has started to bother me when playing vr the violence in games like the walking dead gorn or blade and sorcery feel somehow more real more visceral and tangible while this makes the experience of playing those games fun in the moment it also left me with the bizarre almost uncomfortable feeling after putting <laughs> the controllers down the violence in the games isn't abstracted through a control scheme anymore it's something you perform on other virtual actors with your own hands, fingers, and movements. Do you feel that the dissolution of abstracted control schemes in VR could renew the argument that games cause violence or pose an issue in VR gaining mainstream appeal? <laughs> or am I just a crazy man overthinking it? I think it depends, right? With a gun in VR, you're still just pulling a trigger, like an analog trigger like you would on a controller. Yeah. So I don't think that's any different. I think when, yes, you're thinking uh, about melee or stuff. I know an uncomfortable lot more about guns after playing vr games i did not know how to operate a gun i've never fired a gun i've never been to the range here in america i still don't think you would fire a gun in a range just because you used a vr game it's very different i agree but i did not know what ejecting around did i did not know how like the explosion of the gun itself pulls the thing back that makes a spring go up that like the mechanics of this machine but you can also watch a movie and get that information though you can also watch a show or a youtube video and get that information though Oh, you don't see like John Wick be like, oh, wait, I forgot how to reload this thing. In video games, when your character picks up a gun, they usually immediately know how to use it. In VR games, you actually like have to. I was playing uh, Pavlov yesterday and and the reloading reloading is, is so much more complicated. Aiming down the sights is so much more complicated. I feel like I know more about how guns work. I actually know more about why marksmanship is a sport because lining a big thing up to your face and being able to eyeball where the tiny little dot is going to go is is way more harder when it, you're not pointing and clicking on bad guys with the mouse like it's a very different procedure that has given me knowledge i kind of wish i did not know i think it's still overthinking i still think if you're a stable mind that you still won't try to kill someone because you did it in a game i still think that oh right right I think it's the same as if you were driving a car in a simulation inside of VR and you didn't have a driving license. You're not going to necessarily, or even slightly, know how to drive a real car. And you're not going to run over people because you played 
VR GTA. You know, it's just not. But now you know what that like looks like from a first person perspective, <laughs> right? Sure. Do you guys not remember that? Did you not have the same reflex I did? The first time I picked up a gun and pointed it in VR, my brain was like, wait a minute, George. We have rules, George. You're not supposed to do this except in a very closed environment. Like I had to work through a bit of of reflexive hesitation. And and also I do I do want to contextualize how The Walking Dead, they point out The Walking Dead because in The Walking Dead VR game, you kind of have to twist your hand through the brains of the zombie. You can't <laughs> just swat at it. You dig around in there a bit and make sure to stir them around. It's super duper <laughs> gross out stuff. And and that that might be what he's talking about there. <laughs> Squish the juices inside, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, you actually have to stick your melee weapon onto where the zombie head is and then twist your hands. Like, like for every single kill. Destroy the brain. You, do, you can't just slap the brain. You gotta, you gotta stir it. Yummy. Like super. Yeah, no, I... I mean, I'm not saying that, that I think it will make anyone more violent so much as I'm saying if the need ever arose in my life, I might have an easier time operating a gun than I did before VR games. Yeah, if The Walking Dead actually happened, we'll be prepared. If, if 10 years ago, after a lifetime of playing flat gaming, if you, I don't know, threw me into a room full of, of evil bad guys with guns... If you, if I was up against a bad guy with a gun, it might take me a couple more minutes to figure out how to operate the machine than it would now. You know, I'm still sure I wouldn't instantly know what to do, but I think the learning curve is is a concept here that should be taken into account. The learning curve would be smoother. So the question is, do you like what you've done? Do you like the VR shooting? Do you like pulling the trigger, George? To be honest... I like how VR games so often don't have you shooting things. I like how VR games make nonviolent interactions more, more mechanically complex and fun. And yeah, like a game like Lone Echo that has no violence. You can have a VR game that's just puzzles that will still feel like a rousing, exciting, dangerous adventure. Uh, like putting together ships in space that could crush you if they fall on you. I feel like I'd rather... Rather fear that kind of oblivion than, you know, the the bad guy with a gun. Yeah, I feel that. Like, like VR first-person shooters are so much more physically demanding that I feel like that's one of the reasons why it might not be as ubiquitous and popular in the VR gaming landscape as it is in the flat gaming landscape, is that holding your arms up, like, that's you're stressing your muscles, you're tensing up, you're closing one eye. Yeah, the closing one eye, I think that's a big thing. You never close one eye when you're playing a flat game. When your actual body is closing one eye and looking down something that your hand is holding up to that eye, the first few times I did that in VR, my brain was like, George, this is not something you're supposed, this is not a motion your body is supposed to be making. Was that, was that just me? No, um, no, I never, th- yeah, I, I, I never did that, but maybe, maybe I'm just a violent, crazy, uh, man beast, I guess. I don't know. I, I just never, you're not I, a violent, I, crazy I, man beast. <laughs> I never, I, I don't think of games <laughs> as a, I, I don't, I don't automatically, I'm not like, oh, I should go get a gun now. Like, I don't think that way. Remember when you got robbed and you weren't like that? Yeah, like you've been yeah. in that situation <laughs> where robbed. you were up right. against bad guys with a gun and you still were like turning the other cheek. You, you, you're you fucking Jesus Christ, man. Oh, please. No, I'm not <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Now, now the the whole thing that happened in Agresco where, where that where that fucking horse guy was trying to yeah that I'll break a nigga I'll break his neck but like Woo. no like the, I was more concerned of like protecting the house and getting like a security system and stuff like that um yeah but I'm not gonna get a gun like I got a gun and what I'm gonna kill someone I don't know man I don't know I don't know if I'm ready for for that responsibility <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for that. No, like, for as popular as guns are in America, I don't think a lot of people internationally know how it's still a really niche thing that most of us are never, ever gonna, gonna have to cross paths with in real life. Good, keep it that way. And my body felt weird when I did that. I, I, I did not expect that I would be stretching myself into those poses, you know? What, what about you, Leah? Yeah, you've been quiet. I have. Ah, uh, because I, I don't believe VR would do that no. i don't believe you can train yourself to do stuff that is that complex no like i agree i i just feel what he's saying um i think i think something you said about the learning curve like you're skipping a few steps ahead might be true mm -hmm. in terms of just general feel and position of your body and your eye i don't know how accurate that is um i don't think games can inherently make you a violent person any more than movies can or TV shows can. Right. I think if you're an inclined person to be like that, these things might instigate it, trigger you in some way. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think you can ever. Uh, I don't think media or video games can do that to a person. I think it's also been scientifically proven in some cases. Studies have shown that it doesn't even yeah. induce anger outside of competitiveness. Yeah. Um. And guns suck. Like, really think about that. How many how many normies play Call of Duty? A lot. It's extremely popular. It sells as many copies as the Bible. It, and they play a lot. They play a lot. If that were a fact, everyone will be violent. There'll be shootings all over the place. It would be chaos here. But, like, these people on the news stations just don't really put those together. Like, yo... You know how many copies? You know what happened 15 hours ago when school opened back up in Arkansas? What? Uh, shooting. And Wait, you know what, what I'm sure is gonna happen eventually, probably sooner than we would like. I would be more surprised if we go 10 years and this doesn't happen. I almost don't even want to toy with the idea. But can you guys imagine what would happen if there was a mass shooting and the shooter claimed to have trained for it in VR games. How the f Eminem I, made me do it. Mm, mm. Eminem made me do it. I think you could get to a point where you could train people in VR, for sure. I think you could. Uh, but you could also train people by paintballing, right? And paintballing, paintball is not going to kill somebody. And somebody in paint, somebody who's into paintballing definitely is learning more about shooting and being outdoors and training yeah. and body position and equipment than anything that VR could do. But I think you could get to a point if you made specialist equipment, backpacks with VR headsets, and you had wide enough spaces where soldiers could walk around and stuff. At the end of the day, guns are lame. UK, thankfully, and Japan, thankfully, do not have gun culture at all. I have fired a gun before, but it was a farm rifle for like, Shooting cheap foxes. I just want to shoot an M1 Grand. That's it. I'm good with that. I'll be. I'll be done. I'm happy if I never fire a gun in my life. Totally, totally fine with that. Don't want yeah. to. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get out of here, gunslingers. I never knew blah, blah, blah. how how guns work until VR. Like like when you know when you pull the slide back and, and the round pops out, and you can also shoot the trigger and the explosion pulls the slide out and pops around out. It's the mechanism of that is something that that I, I don't think I would have picked up on if I never got to see it from that camera angle. Oh god. George George likes guns. VR gun porn can be disturbingly fun. Like that's another <laughs> thing that I think I relate to the guy on is it just feels good to reload things a lot of times. Oh yeah. I mean essentially that's just like you like juggling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a satisfying thing to do with your fingers. You hear these nice metallic clicks and tings. Like there is a crunchy primordial game feely kinesthetic thing to it that does does make me a well two percent uncomfortable yeah well there you go oh god uh i i'm so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> but has this happened to you guys where you after watching movies now after playing a lot of vr games and you see gunfights and you're thinking in the back of your head that's not to that's totally how that would not play out no like, like I was rewatching The Matrix and when the cops burst through and point their guns at Trinity, they're not checking their corners. They're not slicing the pie. They burst <laughs> right in into the line of sight. And that's that's not what you're supposed to do if you're if you're trying to clear a room. They're all powerful agents. They know everything in the room. They know where Trinity yeah. is, where Neo yeah. is. There, there's like a lot of posts on gun forums about how after you get into guns, you can't watch action movies anymore because they're so fake. And I feel like I'm getting a small dose of that. Mm. So you, you've been diving deep, huh, George? Into this gun Yeah, stuff, I, huh? I was playing Pavlov last night with the new World War II weapons upgrade. And, and I, I got a little bit uncomfortable when I was thinking to myself, wow, how many people have seen this kind of visual? And that was the last thing they saw before they die. I was like looking Whoa. up at bombers and and there were Whoa. buildings bombed. It was a recreation of the Battle of Stalingrad. Uh, People oh went God. through that shit. What is happening? All right. Well, uh, we'll see you guys next week for another episode of Dad and Sons. It's a valid discussion. It's important to talk about these things. Goodbye. Dad likes guns. <laughs> <laughs>